Good morning. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church of Wausau. My name is Amy Place, and I am a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone joining us this morning. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for updates. Since 1870, UU Wausau has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people, just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. You are welcome here no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background. You are welcome here to join us as we proclaim worth in our spiritual journeys. You are welcome to join us as we sing songs that uplift our very beings. You are welcome to join us in community as we learn, live, and love together. All are welcome as we worship that which gives us each meaning and value. No matter what you call this building, this hour, or this gathering of people, we worship as one body, illuminated by the light of the chalice. Let us gather our hearts and minds now for worship. Please join me in reciting the church's chalice lighting. You will find the words printed in the order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Our opening hymn is Color and Fragrance, number, we'll get to it, 78.
Please remain standing for our affirmation. The words are printed in the order of service. The affirmation begins, Love is the doctrine of our church. The quest of truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve humanity and fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. And our doxology. seated. The Unitarian Universalist Flower Communion Service, which we are about to celebrate, was originated in 1923 by Dr. Norbert Chapek, founder of the modern Unitarian movement in Czechoslovakia. On the last Sunday before the summer recess of the Unitarian Church in Prague, all the children and adults participated in this colorful ritual, which gives concrete expression to the humanity-affirming principles of our liberal faith. When the Nazis took control of Prague in 1940, they found Dr. Chapek's gospel of the inherent worth and beauty of every human person to be, as Nazis' court records show, too dangerous to the Reich for him to be allowed to live. Dr. Chapek was sent to Dachau, where he was killed the next year during a Nazi medical experiment. This gentle man suffered a cruel death, but his message of human hope and decency lives on through his flower communion, which is widely celebrated today. It is a noble and meaning-filled ritual we are about to recreate. This service includes the original prayers of Dr. Chapek to help us remember the principles and dreams for which he died. Whenever Dr. Chapek conducted his flower communion in Prague, he would say this proverb as he consecrated the flowers. Infinite spirit of life, we ask thy blessing on these, thy messengers of fellowship and love. May they remind us amid diversities of knowledge and of gifts, to be one in desire and affection and devotion to thy holy will. May they also remind us of the value of comradeship, of doing and sharing alike. May we cherish friendship as one of thy most precious gifts. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or sully our relationship. But may we realize that whatever we can do, great or small, the efforts of all of us are needed to do the work in this world.
The purpose of the church is to encourage all who gather there to grow more generous in spirit and in action. This is the great end of all the world's faith traditions, to bring the human being closer to the divine by acts of creation and compassion. We take an offering that allows us to exercise that all-important generosity of spirit, an offering that will support this self-supporting church and its many ministries. But rather than pass a plate at this time, we've placed an offering basket in the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support. This morning's reading is the poem entitled Remember by the poet Joy Haro. The poet writes, Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars' stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn, that it is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth how your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father. He is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth, we are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life, who all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them. Listen to them. They are alive poems. Remember the wind. Remember her voice. She knows the origin of this universe. Remember you are all people, and all people are you. Remember you are this universe, and this universe is you. Remember all is in motion, is growing, is you. Remember language comes from this. Remember the dance language is that life is. Remember. Here it ends the reading.
Well, it is wonderful to have the choir back singing to us. Thank you all. It's lovely to hear all your voices this morning. And let's state the obvious. We're back in our church after two and a half weeks. It was a mess, but it is as fresh, as clean as it's been in 151 years. You could eat your lunch on this floor if you really wanted to. I don't advise it. We just got it cleaned up. But nevertheless, rest assured that this is a clean church. It was wonderful to see all of you in person this morning and to, I don't know which camera's on, but whoever's joining us online this morning, hi to you as well. You all can wave at them as you're making your way out if you want. Otherwise, they're seeing backside of your head. But anyways, let's get started with our service, or with my sermon. So we call our faith free, our faith, meaning Unitarian Universalism, we call this faith free because we are not bound together by an oath or a creed. We are bound together by something more sacred. We are bound together by freedom. And the freedom that binds us is our covenant to live together as a sacred community. And what makes this community sacred is our covenant with one another, our membership and stewardship of this faith that lives and dies by its people and by our protection of the memories of our spiritual siblings who came before us. Just think of all those people who gave a portion of their lives to keep alive this specific religious community through better and worse. And then, after taking good care of it, they gifted it to us. And let us be thankful they left this church for us because we sure as heck need it. I don't know if you all know this or not, but church people, we aren't perfect. End of sermon. That's just how I'm going to end. All of us, all of us fall short of our goals. We disappoint one another, and sometimes we even disappoint ourselves. All of the great religions teach that humankind is predisposed to foolishness. But they also show us how to be better how to be forgiving and graceful, how to have less ego, and how to be humble and persistent. Our faith tells us that even though the world might at times feel and look and sound like a hopeless place, the world is not hopeless. In fact, our faith tells us to be a people of hope. And this flower communion tells us to be a people of hope. I looked it up in the dictionary last night, and it says that hope, here's the dictionary's definition of hope, and I quote, hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. I think that definition is annoying, so I made up my own definition of hope. So here's my definition of hope. Hope is really just love put in the future tense. Hope is really just love put in the future tense. But the love I'm speaking of isn't just a feeling. What I have in mind is expressed through work and relationship, and the work of religious love makes beautiful things for others with never a thought of anything in return. But religious living is risky. You all should know this by now. But if you don't, if being religious doesn't make you nervous, you aren't religioning hard enough. I made up the word religioning for you this morning, too. Religioning is hard. 
because it asks us to love and hope in a world filled with violence and famine and a thousand other pains and sorrows. And so if you can pull off this religioning even for a couple of hours a week, then you know loving and hoping in a world with news like ours means you will be disappointed by the very things you were hoping for. So here's a question for you this morning. Have you ever stopped to think about all the risks of love? We like to throw the word around in church because it sounds good, because it matches the stained glass windows. But true love, true love bestows freedom. True love tells us that the act of growing up takes a lifetime, and that change is unavoidable. Another hard bit about love is that it expects us to be willing to let go. I've officiated a goodly number of weddings, and I have yet to find a couple that wants to delete the line till death us do part. They don't want to delete it because loving someone requires that one day you will have to let go. The rhythms of the world teach us this every day. The sun drifts below the horizon, trees shed their leaves, and seasons come and go. Turn over any stone and you'll find the living and the dead side by side. And of course, we all know that these bright flowers are here for a while before they will wilt and they'll die. Of all the things we could, we often give our friends and our lovers flowers. Think about all the reasons we give flowers. Flowers fill hospital rooms where newborns are passed around by moms and dads and sisters and brothers and friends and grandparents. Flowers fill rooms elsewhere in the hospital where people get chemo or recover from surgery. Flowers fill the hands of graduates who finally made it. They find their way into kids' hair and into grandpa's beard. They're pinned to suit jackets and they're tied on wrists as teenagers very awkwardly share their first dance. And flowers lay atop coffins that return the dead to earth. The beauty of a flower cannot be measured just like the beauty of a life cannot be measured. The life of a flower is short, but each spring life rebirths beauty anew. This is just one of the ways creation reminds us that good things seem to find a way to endure. And the flowers we brought this morning brighten this place, just as your presence transformed this building into a church. For 151 years, people have brought flowers into this sanctuary. Flowers were here when children were baptized, when couples were married, when ministers preached boring sermons, and when they preached good ones too. Flowers were here when we celebrated and laughed together, and they were here when we mourned the dying and the dead. Just think about this church in terms of history. For 151 years, people have called this church their spiritual home. We sometimes get tripped up, and we like to think that the only thing that matters is what we want. But this church isn't just about us. You see, every time we're gathered, it's not just us here. It's also the spirit and memory of all those people through history who have called this church a home. All those people who came here to worship God, to wrestle with doubts, all those people who cooked and served meals after funerals, all those people who pulled weeds in the yard, 
all those people who signed their name in the membership book and then strived like us to be less ego-driven and more other-focused. The choices we make, the relationships we're working on, the difficulties we are going through, our need for rest in a world that tells us to never stop. It's all wrapped up in the great spiritual odyssey this church has been on for a century and a half. And maybe if you're like me, you've asked yourself why for millennia people have walked through the doors of churches. My answer to this question changes almost every day, but this morning, my answer to the question why we come to church is because experience has taught us that we need one another. As the late Forest Church said, we need guidance in recognizing our tears in one another's eyes. We need prompting to raise our moral sights. We need companions in the work of love and justice to enhance our neighborhoods and to strengthen our witness in the world. And yes, we choose to join our hands and hearts because we know how easily we slip back into mechanical habits that blunt our consciousness. We need and know we need to be reminded week in and week out how precious life is and how fragile. Dear friends, it is our faith that holds us together. And faith isn't just a thought. It's an action. It's the act of going to church, the act of admitting to yourself you don't have the power to control everything, that you don't have the answers for every question, the act of accepting help when it's offered and showing up when you're needed. If we fail to enact our faith, all we are doing is propping up a shell. And I promise you that there is no need in this world for any more false religion. Our faith is a gift, but it's a gift only when people are committed and honest and daring. Our faith cannot tolerate any more lukewarm practitioners. It needs radicals willing to live out their duty, doing unto others as they do unto themselves. Unless you've forgotten in Unitarian churches, it is deeds and not creeds that is our motto. Liberty and justice is our social platform, and love is our highest law. The flower communion we're celebrating was created by Dr. Norbert Chopik, a Unitarian minister. Before Dr. Chopik discovered Unitarian Universalism, if you can believe it, he was a Baptist minister. What inspired his conversion was our commitment, and I quote, to liberty and justice and love as our highest law. After Chopik's conversion to Unitarianism, he wrote, and I quote, every person, every person is an embodiment of God, and in every one of us, God struggles for higher expression. Religion, he said, can never die because human beings cannot but be religious. Dr. Chopik believed religion should, before all else, provide that inner harmony which is the precondition of strong character, good health, joyful moods and victories, and a creative life. Unitarian Universalism inspired Chopik to oppose the Nazis. For him, the church's responsibility is to place truth above any tradition, spirit above scripture, freedom above authority, and progress above all reaction. And it was this faith that landed him and also his daughter in a Nazi prison and later the Dachau concentration camp. Lesser people would have given up their faith to save their life. 
But even in prison, Dr. Chopik lived his faith. He was in prison with a Catholic priest who observed Dr. Chopik's ministry. And the Catholic priest wrote in one of his own journals, he said that Norbert Chopik achieved the greatest ministry in Dachau. He achieved the greatest ministry among the despairing, people who lived in the very shadow of death. Without him, that priest said, none of us could have endured. And Chopik was murdered in that concentration camp. But he didn't believe that death was the end. Rather, he wrote, if death were the end of everything, then life would be the stupidest of all comedies and would lack all meaning and purpose. Chopik once asked, how could providence abandon and betray us when our lips have barely touched the rim of the cup of life? All these flowers here and their brief beauty remind us that we are here, but for only a time. But they also represent the hope and love of all those people who came before us and all those people who will come after. Just before Chopik was killed, he wrote down this prayer. Even though disappointed a thousand times or fallen in the fight and everything would worthless seem, I have lived amidst eternity. Be grateful, my soul. My life was worth living. Let these flowers symbolize people who live courageously, people who believe in a better tomorrow. Let them represent friendship and the efforts of people who dedicate their lives to serving others people who speak truth and wholeness to despairing souls, let them represent our need for one another and let them represent the cup of life. A communion is a relationship and an acceptance between people and communities. And it is expressed by our willingness to give and receive. People often ask how they will get through tough days. How will I get through days with so much fear and anxiety? How will I get through days with so much pain and suffering? The only answer I can think of is you do it by taking your spiritual lives seriously. We do it by taking the demands of our faith seriously, by enacting it with our hands and hearts and minds. But most of all, our faith urges us to recognize how much we need one another and how precious life is and how fragile it's now come to the point in this service that I want to invite all of you forward to participate in the Flower Communion. But before you come forward, I ask that you each in turn approach the communion vase quietly, reverently, with a sense of how important it is for each of us to address our world and one another with gentleness. I also ask that you select a flower different from the one you brought, one that appeals to you, as you take your chosen flower, noting its shape and beauty, handle it carefully. It's a gift. It's a gift that someone else brought here this morning for you. It represents that person's unique humanity, and therefore it deserves your kindest touch. So let us share quietly in this Unitarian Universalist ritual of oneness and love. Dear friends, please come forward now. Thank you. 
Listen now to Dr. Chopik's flower communion prayer. In the name of providence, which implants in the seed the future of the tree and in the hearts of men and women the longing for people living in human love. In the name of the highest in whom we move and who makes the mother and father, the brother and sister what they are. In the name of sages and great religious leaders who sacrifice their lives to hasten the coming of peace and justice, let us renew our resolution sincerely to be real brothers and sisters, regardless of any kind of bar which estranges us one from the other. In this holy resolution, may we be strengthened, knowing that we are God's family, that one spirit, the spirit of love, unites us, and may we endeavor for a more perfect and more joyful life. Amen. Let us rise now and sing our closing hymn, number 86. Blessed spirit of my life. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Please have a seat. Relax and enjoy the postlude. We have cupcakes and coffee for the first time in heaven knows how long, so please stay and eat some. Thank you for being here.